Here we go. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. Today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good, Bruce. I am 54 minutes away from being 60 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a big milestone. A big six. Yeah, it is. It feels big. It feels big. I vaguely remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> you remember everything, Bruce. You remember. 60. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting to the point where... I'm old enough to remember stuff. Not quite too old to remember it, but that's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've reached my goal, Bruce. My goal was Mm -hmm. to be as healthy as the average 30-year-old Swede at age 60. I've been working Mm -hmm. on hard. I I remember that commercial with the naked Swede jumping into the ice-cold water during, was it participation, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. they threw down the gauntlet, and I think I've met the challenge. And Centennial not year, I think that was. That, that it was in the 70s. Oh, was it? it was okay. Participation. Mm-hmm. The average Canadian 30-year-old <laughs> is not as healthy as the average 60-year-old Swede. Mm-hmm. And, um, they had these two people kind of walking, jogging beside the other each other, and this right. 60-year-old Swede would race past the Canadian. <clears throat> but... Um, so my goal was to be healthier than the 30-year-old Swede, and uh, I think I'm, I am can do uh, many things that the average 30-year-old Swede could do athletically. So, All right. <sighs> Big loss for the Oilers tonight. Kind of a weird loss, honestly. Um, New Jersey played a heck of a game. I'll give them credit. But the Oilers, I, I thought... And I know not everyone agrees with that. I thought the Oilers were the better team. They just kind of, they kind of urinated away the game, to put it nicely. Um, they had 14 grade A shots to 10 for New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey had a lot of shots, but most of them were for the outside. And the Oilers had this game well in hand till late in the third period when they just broke down. Edmonton had 10 five alarm shots to just five for New Jersey. So, um, yeah. I think the Oilers were the better team. The Devils got the better goaltending in the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Oilers couldn't finish off some of their, their best chances. Um, uh, Evan Bouchard's chance in the third period comes to mind. A great feed by Leon Dreisaitl. Bruce, this down. is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. But before we get dig in, you were at the game. You yes. saw the ceremony uh, for yes. Lee Fogelin and mm-hmm. Ryan Smith. What did you think? Oh, well, it was kind of understated in a sense. I did it way early before the game. Yeah. And so I didn't even see the entire thing because my parking spot doesn't open up until six o'clock. And that's when the ceremony started. So I hustled in and I caught the end of Fogey's presentation and all of Smitty's <coughs> uh, speech. But I mean, it was uh, classy enough in its understated way. They got the new uh, circle of numbers, well, semicircle arc of numbers uh, uh, between the two. Uh, decks along the uh, uh, around the uh, uh, facing between the first and second decks at the one end the far end from where I was which was by luck uh, and thanks to Don of uh, I think Roger's place uh, uh, we wound up getting upgraded seats into the Sportsnet lounge tonight which was really nice free food uh, really nice view and we were like right looking right over Stuart Skinner's head straight up the ice from like perfect vantage point and uh so is i really like got a, a sense of the east to west uh, what's that 
is that like a bar area or what is like yeah what is this? Uh, yeah it's 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 is it a, a big bar? Uh, it's, it's a lounge bar? yeah and it's you 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 pay when you pay for your ticket as i understand it you pay for the food and the all the beverages except for the alcoholic beverages and those if you want them you have to pay for them individually which only makes sense otherwise people would drink 41 beers you know some people would uh, so <laughs> but the, the uh, food was the food was good and the, you know the uh, the vantage point was fantastic i really got a sense of the east to west flow of the game and saw some i thought significant weaknesses in the oilers in that aspect uh new jersey was really really good at uh what they would call in soccer switching play where the guy make, just makes a long pass to the other side of the field just to op, try and open up. And Jersey was doing that all freaking night. They were throwing pucks onto the open side and winning the races to it over and over again. It spent a lot of time in the end right in front of us because New Jersey kind of dominated both the first and the third period. And Edmonton did well in the second, and six of the seven goals were scored right in our end. So we, we saw by far the lion's share of the action. And to me, it became apparent fairly early in the third that it was going to be a very long third period. And Edmonton had a few chances on the counterattacks to put it away. But boy, were they spending a lot of time under pressure in their own end, playing chase and playing chaos, uh, pursuing speedy and determined New Jersey forwards. Yeah, quite a contrast between the last two games. They like big, tough Nashville, mm-hmm. the big Bobby Clobbers, and these little uh, Jackrabbit Johansons. They mm-hmm. were uh, they were absolutely flying out there in New Jersey. I see uh, the big. I was wondering what would happen when Nashville played Calgary and they beat Calgary. So yep, uh, one, Rock yeah. met Rock met Rock, and uh, new uh, the bigger Boulder was the Nashville Predators. Okay, Bruce, what is your what is your good thing tonight? Uh, well, besides uh, Foggy and Smitty, uh, I'm going to go with Darnell Nurse, who I thought had a very strong game, uh, highlighted by far by an absolutely fantastic play in the first period that turned what looked to be originally a two-on-one rush, where Nurse was left all alone uh, against a wide attacking two-on-one, and then the guy tried to pull the puck back to the third guy on the rush, and Darnell just made a lunging starfish kind of dive and intercepted it, chipped the puck right up the ice. Uh, and, of course, with New Jersey having committed so many guys on the attack, it was a full-on rush the other way with Hyman and McDavid, and they finished it off. That was hockey at its finest to me, that, the complete change of direction from five seconds the Oilers being in big trouble to the puck being in the other net. And that was a great play by Darnell, but more... Generally, I just thought he looked terrific all night, very composed. He made a lot of just smart reads and and smart uh, uh, plays with the puck. Uh, The one time he did make a bad turnover, he instantly made up for it with a good shot block, a brave shot block that sent him limping to the bench. And I just thought he he stood out in this game as uh, and his pairing with Cody Ceci stood out as being Edmonton's strongest by some considerable distance. We didn't see all of his attacking game, but uh, this was because Edmonton had the lead for much of the game. And so his, uh, he, he was concentrating on defense, and he did it well. And I see by uh, your scoring of grade A chances, which I haven't had a chance to review yet, that he had a clean sheet uh, contributing to the, just the one chance for, but none against. And in this game, playing the amount of minutes that he played, that's really quite tough, which was 
uh, 21 minutes and 53 seconds. So that's quite yeah. quite a uh, uh, quite a good performance by him. And I, I just I just I like his presence on the ice. He just seemed to be a really strong player for the Oilers. He he and Cece um, have been getting stronger as the mm-hmm. seasons progressed. Not surprising. They're they're getting it together and starting to play really well. Cece's such a he's got Cece's kind of a mechanical player. You know, he's not the most um, fluid guy out there. Right. Yes. But um, he he is a very well positioned hockey player at this point in his career. Extremely smart in terms of reading mm-hmm. the play, um, making very few mental errors. And and nurses um, nurses of course is an extremely fluid player. And uh, but he's also um, coming into his own in terms of being a veteran defenseman, reading the game and making the right calls. I know he's been criticized in the past, and I think sometimes justifiably, often mm-hmm. justifiably for making the wrong calls yeah. out there. He's a high event player, lots of good. Mm-hmm. Some bad, usually the the good, uh, you know, outweighing the bad by quite a bit. But I he, I think he's starting to settle down here and play some really solid hockey too. I agree with your assessment. I thought he was outstanding tonight. And I will point out, Bruce, that as much as uh, some people have criticized the starfish maneuver where he goes down on his belly um, to uh, make a defensive stop, it worked there very very nice. perfectly. He did. And the last game, he made a starfish to make a great defensive stop. So maybe he's getting that down too, which would mm-hmm. be good because he was caught down and prone a few times, many times last year in that position. Um, my good thing, Bruce, you know, there was, you pointed out McDavid's goal, which was fantastic. Drysaddle's goal, mm-hmm. which was a beautiful shot. Uh, but I'm going to go with the, for the second game in a row, the fourth line got a goal. And it was another beauty. Um, Devin Shore got in there. The puck was d- dumped deep. Devin Shore got in there on the four check and um, agitated enough to pop that puck loose. Went right to Dylan Holloway, who made a deft pass to Tyson Berry in the slot. Berry moves into the slot, fires a nice hard wrist shot at net. And there is um, Derek Ryan with the total eclipse of the sunscreen of the goalie. He's only like five. 10 or 5 9 right. whatever it is but the goalie was down because he had to cover the bottom of the net because barry's coming mm-hmm. in and he was right. totally screened but not only that ryan got a stick on the puck and put right. it in it was a it was another um really strong offensive zone play by that mm-hmm. line i like that line you know they're uh, we're going to talk about him i'm going to talk about a mistake they made later um but it is a solid line it's it's um it's got a good combination of ski uh, speed and skill a little bit of size and some hockey smarts. So it's working right now. And again, the Oilers seem to have uh, four lines, although at the end of the game, it was the, uh, it was Drysaddle's line. I guess it was Drysaddle's line on the second goal and uh, Pugliarvi, uh, McLeod's line on the, uh, the, the, the third goal. goal and Drysaddle's line on the fourth goal. Yeah. <laughs> they got burnt. So I don't think that, and then the fourth line got burnt on the first goal. So anyway. Uh, anyway, that line I thought was solid tonight, and um, it's good to see the orders have four lines here. And if Yamamoto, you know, who had another really, really rough game, let's let's face it, like he you can't handle the puck, David. <clears> not a great feed from Drysaddle and look kind of even anemic on that. He couldn't really. He doesn't. He just he, anemic is a is a harsh word, right? Like that's a strong thing to say for a hockey player, like lacking in energy, and. Um, but that's how it looks, man. He just does not look himself. And he, I don't think he's, I think they got to move him down the lineup at this point. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in that regard. Maybe, maybe move Holloway up to the wing there or pull the RV up the wing. 
or or Fogel, but Yamamoto does not. He's holding down that line at this point. He's not um, contributing. He's he's holding back Drysdale and Kane, and it's time to shake that up. I would suggest let him right. let him get his game together in a less in a less prominent position at this point. Would be my. Did have three three shots tonight, which is yeah uh, a better number there for sure, but. Uh, his puck count, like I noticed that anytime the puck came along the boards to him, that he would overskate it, bobble it, uh, you know, not get it out of the zone. It just seemed like everything was a struggle. And it's, you know, watching on TV is no different. I've been seeing this for, seems like, weeks. And I do I do wonder what was the nature of that injury he suffered when he got tripped into the boards there late in training camp. Because I just don't think we've seen anywhere close to the best of this player uh, throughout the season, just the odd flashes, but you know, nothing, uh, 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 nothing uh, resembling you know a good or great game. Maybe just switch him and Pulleyardy for now, like like give Yessa a, a, a go. Um, all right, he's, uh, Bruce, he's what's your... coming with the puck too? Yeah, he you is. Know. He's not exactly bringing his A game. He's, but you know what? When we look at his grade A shots plus minus, Bruce Pulleyardy's hanging in there. Like he's getting. He's he, not in the last he, last few games so much, but before then he was getting his fair share fair share of chances, and he has hardly given up anything. He he did was part of the one of the culprits I thought on the uh, third goal, but he's been okay defensively. All right, um, your bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, uh, I think we should reverse this because I'm pretty sure we we might as well do it in order. So your bad okay. thing, I think it's right before my bad thing, like right. Well, before. I'm I'm going to go with <laughs> the two uh, young centers and the turnovers that they made. Okay. Um, on the first, excuse me, the second, uh, no, the first goal against, um, Dylan Holloway's, um, carting the puck up the ice, and um, he doesn't necessarily know this, but behind him. Cody Cece and Darnell Nurse are are engaged in a very freaking slow line change. And um, if he had any inkling of that, he really should have just focused on getting that puck in deep because he had a perfect opportunity to do so. And instead, in the neutral zone, he makes a move into the middle and the puck's picked off his stick, which wouldn't be a problem if there was two defensemen behind them, which there were when he started that rush. But at that point, and I'm pretty sure... Uh, it's Cece who's the late, very late line change. Yeah. Man, it took a long time. And um, so Barry, Tyson Barry's out there late. Like he, he he's struggling to get in the play. Yeah. And um, the other defenseman's just out of it. Like he just didn't get in the play at all. And the Perfect goal is scored. Cool yeah. So. Nima Line. And I had uh, yeah. Cece with the bad line change. But Holloway, he's just. Even. Even. If there were two defensemen behind him, the simple play is get that puck in deep. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the fourth line, the simple play is often the best play. I don't want to, mm -hmm. you know, he is the talented hockey player who can really carry the puck. You don't want to cramp his style. Nonetheless, the simple play, especially when you're on the fourth line, especially when you're a rookie, is a good play. Keep it simple. And maybe that he should have kept that in mind. So that led to the first goal against. The third goal against, um, the second goal against was just a weird one that went through a number of players off the face-off, so not much to say about that. Those things happen. Um, Ryan McLeod, um, the Oilers have the puck in the offensive zone, and McLeod has a chance to keep it in, and he just fans on it. 
at the blue line, keeping the puck in. If he keeps, if he just, if he got that puck deep, Bruce, the Oilers would have won that game. Like they were, I just had that, like, it was just that kind of mistake where the Oilers are hanging on, hanging on, but they're not giving up a lot. They weren't giving up a lot of grade A shots. You know, they were giving up shots, but they were hanging in there. And then just that flub play and they get a break and they're up the ice and, um, Move into the middle of the slot, you know, cruise around Pugliarvi, cruise cruise around McLeod in the slot again, and Superstar slam it. Superstar Ryan kind of, Graves, eh? Yeah, this kind of this weird shot, which he comes slamming into the slot and then releases this knuckleball at at a mm-hmm. Skinner from in tight. This bobbling puck and Skinner misses it. So oh, it was a very frustrating goal against. But these, this is the puck is round, the ice is slippery, and that's hockey. Weird things happen. Puck is round and flat, and it has edges. Yeah. And tonight, the puck spent a lot more time <clears throat> on its edges than it did on its flat. And this, the ice was was not good. And the players were, were fighting for possession. McDavid, I don't think I've ever seen him have more trouble just handling the puck. Even when he was trying to make plays on the rush, it was just bobbling all over the place. And mm. eventually, he got so frustrated, he just took a slap shot from the boards, which he never does, but he just was... At his wit's end, it looked like. Um, anyway, uh, same ice for both teams. It's not an excuse, but it's just a fact of life. you got to play on muddy tracks sometimes. And the Oilers, there was some kind of event, uh, dry, uh, um, you know, take the ice out event in uh, oh. uh, Roger's place last night. I think uh, there was a comedian or something in town. Okay. Anyway. Comedian? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. I can't remember his name. Uh, and so the ice... Uh, uh, was no joke at the at afterwards, unfortunately, and that was that, that played seemed to play a big role in the, in the game, frankly. But uh, anyway, that puck was bobbling too, and it bounced, seemed to bounce off of about three parts of Skinner on the way in. It was just just about ping pong through his pads and dribbled over the line. And, oh. It was a horrible goal. It was a horrible goal. Like McLeod just has got to get that deep. You know, then the owners have got to take, someone's got to take the body as they're coming yeah, in. Yeah, McLeod had the best chance to stop him in the slot. He did as well, and, right? And yeah. Graves just kind of went right through him. Yeah, not so. good. If you're going to be a defensive, the third line center, again, like if you're going to be the third line center, you've got to get that puck deep. Now, you know, again, even the best player in hockey makes mistakes. So you don't, I don't want to be too hard on Ryan McLeod. He's a good hockey player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been playing very well this year, so... Just one of those things. All right, Bruce, you're a bad thing. Yeah, it's got to be the 4-3 game-winning goal. Scored uh, seven seconds after New Jersey tied it. And I barely oh. turned to my friend, friend and said, okay, well, now they've tied it up. Now the goal is simply to to uh, play safe hockey and get it to overtime, secure the one point and go, you know, standard strategy, which for the 11th game in a row, it was just a two-point game that the Oilers were involved in. And eventually those zero-point losses, you know, they hurt. And this one yeah. sure hurt. And frankly, David, I thought this was a coaching mistake. Uh, the, yeah. sec- the second pairing got burned on the 3-3. And here is um, New Jersey throwing out a line of, uh, of Nico Heischer, who had an excellent game. Uh, Jesper Bratt, who is by far their top scorer, and I'm not even sure who the third guy was. Um, uh, Jesper Boquist, I guess, looks like number 70. Anyway, he wasn't involved in the play. 
but he sure won the face-off in the neutral zone. Should be no problem. But there's two problems. One is the Oilers have the third pairing on the ice against New Jersey's top scoring line. Tie game, three minutes left. When the first pairing was rested because, you know, they had a shift and they'd come off and they, you know, they'd had a minute on the bench. And then uh, after New Jersey won the draw, and correct me on this, I still haven't seen a replay because I was too frustrated at the time to watch what happened on the big board. I was just sort of holding, doing the old face palm thing. And, uh, but it looked <coughs> to me like um, they won the draw and uh, Marino, the former Oiler draft choice, John Marino, it looked like he just made it look like he was going to dump the puck up the boards. And Nima Leinen must have bid on it because then Marino snapped a pass up the middle and then there was a red C. And here is Jesper Brett, New Jersey's top scorer. Clear-cut breakaway about two seconds after they just scored. I mean, come on. And sure enough, he goes in and buries a perfect shot. He makes he buries the kind of shot the Oilers never could make in this game, really, when they had chances to of their own. Yeah. And just like that, the potential two points for the win or the potential one and a half points for the tie gets transformed into zero points. And that's just, it's just a bad mistake. And like I say, I, I will I will extend some of the blame to I think the coaching decision of which players have out there against which opponents. And they got burned. You're on home ice. They eh? get burned. Hmm? Home ice. You're on home ice. Yeah, this yeah. Is, you got... This is their second or first line, and mm-hmm. and yeah, you don't have your top pairing, your second pairing out there. That right. that qualifies as a coaching error, right? That's a coaching error. I think so. Um, and I I didn't like Evander Kane on the play either. Like he also got sucked over to the boards because like mm-hmm. cover the middle of the ice. Like don't give them that stretch pass up the middle of the ice, right? right. Like. He was, you know, his stick wasn't in the right spot. Nima Leinen was way out of... <laughs> way out. Was Barry too far on the other side? Yeah, I it, don't know. The goal that. seemed to come from more from Nima Leinen's side, though. Yeah, Mickey. I think I'm just... I, I just take Nima Leinen, not Barry. Maybe you'll also think Barry's at fault. I didn't. I thought it was mainly Nima Leinen. I mean, mm-hmm. seemed to be on his side of the ice. We never got a really great replay of the whole thing. Right. Some, sometimes you don't to see where exactly Bratt's coming from. But... um. Yeah, oh, I, I, I Mark, he was clearly very close to Marcus Niemelainen and at one point and then quickly got a lot of daylight, like Gail Sayers run into daylight there and snapped that puck in. So good for him. Good for him. Bad for the Oilers. Bruce, what is your number? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I got to go with 43 shots against. It's just too damn many. And in the third period, when the Oilers, you know, had a two-goal lead, and they needed to be spending more time in the neutral zone and the in the devil zone. I mean, the time they spent in the devil zone were kind of one-and-done counterattacks, which easily could have resulted in one or two goals for the Oilers that they just could not finish. CC seemed to have an open net. Bouchard seemed to have an open net, and you know they couldn't bury. And there was a couple in the Hyman had two or three whacks at it from in tight, you know. And but for the most part, it's not like the Oilers were controlling the play or the puck. Uh, it seemed like New Jersey had it most of the time, and Oilers were playing chase most of the time, and a lot of that time was in their own end. And shots in the third alone were 17, 13, but I bet zone time was a lot more heavily slanted than that. 
And not it was an odd game in that for all that zone time, the Devils didn't really score any goals off of extended pressure. So they got one off a draw, they got one on a neutral zone turnover, uh, they got one on on kind of a rush if you call Ryan Graves a rusher, and then they got uh, the breakaway. Um, but honestly, like the whole thing seemed like like chunks of time in the third period where. Oilers hanging on, shots coming through screens, and finally one did come through that, you know, found a hole in Skinner and, and dribbled through. And it just was not a was not a defensive gem in any shape. It was not a defensive gem indeed. Ooh. All right. Um my number, Bruce, mm-hmm. is Evan Bouchard's uh time on ice, particularly at even strength. He led the team 24 minutes he played and at even strength 21 22 he led the team next best was Connor mcdavid 20 minutes and five seconds and then uh the next best defenseman was it's got to be darnell nurse 1801 1801 what did kulak uh 17 18 so that was interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, so bouchard didn't have a particularly spectacular game i mean would have been nice if he drained that goal. That that's for sure. He was he was okay. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He um, um, was okay uh, on the attack. Not great on the attack tonight. But um, it's interesting that that kind of usage in a in a game like this, and the the just the the esteem that the coaches you know that's how you tell a player you love him and trust him in the NHL is by giving him ice time. And they're starting to uh, have that feeling about Bouchard. Now we'll just see. Maybe maybe Nurse was a little banged up or something, but maybe it had to do with matchups. But that's a lot of ice time. And uh, you know, I I I also have a lot of esteem for Bouchard's game this year. I think he's taken a decided step up. Um, this this game was a bit of a step back, other than the ice time. But he's he's been on a streak of excellent play, and um, and good for him. And good, and no surprise to, to see uh, Manson and Woodcroft starting to trust this player. I think he is starting to become a more trustworthy defensive player. He started off the year really poorly, and last year he was iffy most of the season. But um, he's had a he's had a run of good games. Tonight was okay, and uh, he was reward war, rewarded for it with that ice time. No, I didn't see him as good as you did. I thought he was on the ch- playing chase. Part a bit too much for my liking, and the Devils had, when he was on the ice at even strength, Evan Bouchard, just under 20 minutes, they had 17 shots. Yeah, so, Kurt didn't. And two uh, goals. Kurt didn't like him either. Two goals against a minus two, and besides yeah. the one that you know we thought he should have drained the one. I mean, a good shooter goes upstairs on that one because the goalie is only covering the bottom of the net. And then there was another play in the third where the Oilers did have some pressure and Bouchard had it looked like a shooting lane and he fires or dribbles behind the back pass out of the zone and into the neutral zone where his partner has to kind of make an emergency recovery or it's coming hard the other way. And I just didn't get to thinking there at all. Um, So he does some unusual things at times. Well, he might. He was on for 17 shots against, but and you say the two goals. Uh, I didn't see him at, at fault on either of the goals. Maybe someone would differ with that. Maybe you will on review when you do the review tomorrow. Uh, but I only had him tag him for one, one mistake. One was a face-off goal. That wasn't on the D. Yeah, and the other one was the uh, 
the the third goal, which was the rush ch- chance in, and he that's not his fault. Unless he was screening the goalie, and I didn't see him doing that. Um, so you know, the I, I watched that one. I was wondering why he didn't score on that breakaway because you'd think him, you'd think he'd score, right? Because he's very yep. dumb with the puck. Yep. So what happened was, I think he actually made a tactical error. It's hard to know, but Drysaddle's going in and going in pretty fast, and he he decided to rush pretty hard to the net. So when he got the pass, he was kind of extended, and it was he was in too tight then. And he was extended to get that puck up. If he had hung back in more of a shooting uh, shooting position, I think Drysaddle would would have been able to make the play, find him, and then he would have been able to drain. He would have been in that shooting position. So you know, it's it's one or the other. You're going to kind of hang back. You're going to go for the net, and he he went hard to the net. Which with Leon Drysaddle having the puck, maybe is not such a bad plan. You know, Leon is not such a bad shooter himself. But you just know Leon's going to pass, right? He's going to pass. Well, he made the pass. So, and he made the pass. And and so Bouchard was the reason he didn't score was because of that. He was overextended on the shot, um, trying to to uh, he got in too close to the goalie. So there you have it. He's not a forward, I guess. <laughs> maybe a forward would know. No, Bouchard. He's a he's a he's a very good offensive player. He's an up and comer, I'll say that. But one he's of those still things. Got, still got lessons to learn. Don't we all, Bruce? Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? All right. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, unless you have any final thoughts or. Well, yeah. Just uh, one thing that I found interesting was we had, based on our our scoring of Grade A chance, we had expected goals at 3.2 for Jersey and 4.3 for Edmonton. Yeah, and natural stat trick, uh, which of course has a completely different formula. They had a 3.7 for Edmonton and 4.4 for Jersey. So, they're I mean these things are not always going to match, but it's kind of interesting to see. Uh, I, I think we we um, generally tend to credit clean chances more, and they go for shot volumes and you know, shot locations and stuff. And yeah, anyway, they got missed shots. And this one was 4-3 for Jersey, so I just found it kind of interesting that those were the primary numbers for both methods, but with yeah. the teams having the advantage. But let's face it, games like this, it comes down to a single play or a bounce, you know. You know, they, they count missed shots and they don't count shot velocity. So as far as I know, they can't count shot velocity and they do count missed shots. So, you know, there's a debate. Should you count missed shots or not as scoring chances and, and right. you know we've hit on we're just going to count the shots on net right. you know as great mm-hmm. shots so we're they're actually you know i don't know if they factor in missed shots into expected goals which would be a little bit weird if you if you did that if you ask me like shouldn't count a missed shot on expected goals and i don't know wh- whether they do or not but that would be interesting to know should you count missed shots on expected goals i don't and do they i don't know i know yeah. I, that's one Some, thing where sometimes, I mean, from a defensive point of view, if you're yielding that shot and the other team misses it, you still yielded the shot. But it's not right. an expected goal. It can't be yeah. a goal if it doesn't hit. It literally can't well, be a goal. Right. So, so that's one where I would say. Well, you, you could know, say you expect the shooter to score on that shot, even if he missed the net. Right? I guess you so, can say that. There you go. It's a, it, we yeah, don't it's, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm just bringing it up as sort of an interesting contrast between the different methods. Neither of which is going to be perfect or can be perfect. All yeah. all statistical models are never perfect by definition. So. 
Lies, damn lies, and statistics. All right. All right. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. One last number for you, David. 60. 60. 6 oh, Wow. In 22 minutes. All right. Well, have a good 60th, and uh, we'll talk to you next time, older and wiser. Fucking hope. <laughs> older for, for sure. Thanks, thanks for Bruce. listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> And in the min in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>